Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am your other host, T. Yes, um, welcome back. We're um, going to be covering Judges 16, 17, and 18 from the New Revised Standard Version. Um, do you want to tell the people what happened last episode? Uh, Samson got pissed off and murdered people because his wife got given away to his best friend, companion, number two. So yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like of if the like the movie The Best Man, if he had killed everybody instead of just doing the electric slide at the end of the movie. Um, yeah. Also not really a great movie, but I also haven't seen that movie in a while, but from what I remember, it's bullshit. It was entertaining. I just don't think the message was that great. I think if you find out the night before your wedding that your fiance slept with your best man it's okay to call the wedding off. Yeah, I don't understand the uh, wave of, well, I mean, I guess that happened while they were in college or whatever, but that made me it think It did happen the when they were of, in college, and he did cheat on her a lot, but I think when you make the decision to sleep with someone's best friend, you're kind of deciding to, it's a scorch earth policy. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I just don't understand the wave of people thinking that it's okay to cheat on their wedding night. Um, that seems to be a, a trend. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of, um, <laughs> it, it's it's interesting that people feel that, we're not here to talk about that, it, but it is interesting because the to me, the Samson story was, to me, the subtext was always sex. Um. And, uh, yeah, because there was even some, like, rope play in the last one. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, I used to love um, having this, like, when this story would come up for, like, Bible class and stuff like that. I was always like, yeah. So, um, was there anything else you wanted to say to the people before we got started? No. Go. We can go ahead and get it on. Get going. Okay. Okay. Judges 16, Samson and Delilah. Once Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute and went into her, the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. So they circled around and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They kept quiet all night thinking, let us wait until the light of the morning. Then we will kill him. But Samson lay only until midnight. Then at midnight, he rose up, took hold of the doors of the city gate, and the two posts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that is in the front of Hebron. After this, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, Coax him, and find out what makes his strength so great, and how we may overpower him, so that we might bind him in order to subdue him, and we will give each of you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please 
tell me what makes your strength so great and how you could be bound so that someone could subdue you. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that are not dried out, then I shall become weak and will be like anyone else. Then the lords of the Philistines brought their seven fresh bowstrings that they had not dried out. She bound him with them while men were lying in wait in an inner chamber. She said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a strand of fiber snaps when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you could be bound. He said to her, if they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. The men lying in wait were in an inner chamber, but he snapped off the ropes of his arm. <laughs> but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me, how could you be bound? He said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and make it tight with the pen, then I shall become weak and be like anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah took seven locks of his head and wove them into the web and made them tight with the pen. Then she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pen, the loom and the web. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me three times and have not told me what makes your strength so great. Finally, after she had nagged him with her words day after day and pestered him, he was tired to death. So he told her his whole secret and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head were to be shaved, then my strength would leave me, and I would become weak and be like anyone else. When Delilah realized she had to, that he had told her his whole secret she sent and called the lords of the philistines saying this time come up for he has told me his whole secret to me then the lords of the philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hands she let him fall asleep on her lap and she called a man and he had him shave off the seven locks of his head she he began to weaken and his strength left him then she said the philistines are upon you samson when he awoke from his sleep he thought i will go out at the other times and shake myself free but he did not know that the lord had left him so the philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes they brought him down to gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground the mill in the prison but the hair of his head had begun to grow again after it had been shaved now the lords of the philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to their god dagon and to rejoice for they said our god has given samson our enemy into our hands when the people saw him they praised their god saying our god has given our enemy into our hand and the ravager of our country who has killed many of us and when their hearts were merry they said call samson and let him entertain us so they called samson out of the prison and performed for them they made him stand between the pillars and samson said to the attendant who held him by the hand let the pillars on which the house rests so that i may lean against him now the house was full of men and women all the lords of the philistines were there and on the roof there were three thousand men and women who looked on while samson performed then Samson called to the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me and strengthen me only this once, O God, so that with this one act of vengeance I may pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against him, his right hand on one and his left on the other. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He strained 
with all his might and the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it so he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtal in the tomb of his father Manoah and he had judged Israel 20 years well thanks be to God yeah I think you should ask chat GPT like what's the lesson like not what happened because this is pretty straightforward he fell for a broad went for the weakest game ever got caught up had his eye stabbed out and then in an act of vengeance managed to kill a bunch of people um, according to chat GPT the story of Samson offers several lessons here are a few key lessons that can be drawn from this from his narrative I think this isn't asking about all of it but Oh, well, um, the consequences of disregarding God's commands, Samson's downfall can be attributed to his repeated disregard for God's instructions, such as his association with forbidden individuals and his failure to maintain his Nazarite vow. His disobedience led to a loss of strength and ultimately resulted in his capture and suffering. The power of temptation and deception, Samson's relationship with Delilah, highlights the danger of sus succumbing to temptation and falling into deception delilah's persistent manipulation and betrayal serve as a cautionary tale demonstrating the destructive consequences of being enticed by worldly desires the significant the significance of true strength while samson possessed extraordinary physical strength his true strength came from his connection to god his hair symbolized his consecration as a nazarite and his dedication to god's purpose when samson allowed his hair to be cut he lost not only his physical strength but his spiritual strength this emphasizes the importance of staying faithful to one's commitment to god and relying on its strength on his strength the theme of redemption despite samson's flaws and failures there is a glimmer of redemption in his story in his final act he calls upon god for strength and achieve and achieves a measure of victory over his enemies even though it results in his own death this illustrates that even in moments of weakness or when all seems lost god's redemption and purpose can be realized overall the story of samson serves as a reminder of the consequences of disobedience the power of temptation the importance of true strength rooted in faithfulness to god and the possibility of redemption even in the face of personal shortcomings cool yeah I, i'm trying to see this from the philistines point of view because i feel like they were just getting back at the guy who had like destroyed their harvest remember when he set all their crops on fire yeah so like maybe it's more about how like you'll get you know like you reap what you sow because he never did anything like they said he judged israel for 20 years it's like okay but so far with the story of samson i don't know anything that he's done well like even the story of his birth sounds like his mom probably got some outside and that's how he was finally born because his dad seemed like he wasn't able to fertilize his mom okay um yeah i don't have a rebuttal for that all i have is judges 17 and it sounds like he had locks so like did samson have dreads like that's never how he was depicted in like the illustrations of course they were all kind of eurocentric but they keep saying like she cut off his seven locks so that's kind of interesting like picturing him like that and also like i i do remember just as a child hearing this story and thinking about how stupid he must have been I always thought Samson to be black, actually, but that's just me. Yeah, but you went to like a black school. Um. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I went to a black elementary school, sure. But yeah, I mean, that's when I first, you know, heard the story when I was a young kid, and 
I don't know. To me, that's that's kind of like the new thing I took from it. But um, yeah, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think this was like a good lesson. Like, I mean, all the lessons are obey or get fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because I again I always thought of Samson as black. Um, I never, but when I think of Jesus, actually, I don't think of him as black. So interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, when I actually think about like if these were real people, of course they'd probably be a little swarthy. But um, yeah, um, and of course Delilah was always kind of painted as the villain, but. I think she did the right thing. If there was some guy who had like been killing a bunch of my people and set our crops on fire and was basically just acting an ass. Cause even in the first story he had slept with a sex worker and then messed up their city gates. It doesn't even like there was a good reason for it. Um, they just knew he was, well, they surrounded the house, but it's like, because he was known for causing problems sure yeah it to me is it's giving hercules it's giving roid rage um i don't know if i i feel like in this sort of age of you know consent and me too samson is not a good example for uh a, a male role model in some eyes what what are your eyes I'm not referring to me. I don't believe. I, I don't believe and don't not believe any of this. I'm just kind of in the middle. But this story is not really interesting to me, to be honest with you. Um, I know you are fascinated with this, but the sex, the bondage, I get none of that really from this. And um, yeah, I, this actually is one of the weaker stories that we've read to me. Actually. Oh, wow. Well, well, well. Okay, I mean, it's just a, a Bible classic, but T is unimpressed. You want to move on to uh, I mean, maybe Micah. that's why I'm unimpressed, because we, I mean, I feel like people have talked about this story so long, and I mean, I've, from adult It's not eyes, even that long, either. As much as it gets brought up, it's only, like, four chapters. Well, I don't mean, I mean, like, outside of the bible like i've heard about this story my entire life so but reading it from adult eyes i um i mean it's interesting to look at it from the sense of like oh this person is just kind of a murdering conqueror just like you know most men in this time period and so um yeah i mean that's really all i got i don't i don't i don't really give a shit about his relationships with delilah or the woman before her. like I don't care. I don't care that Delilah set him up, essentially. Like, he, he kind of, I guess, yeah, he kind of deserved it. Um, but also, fuck her, too. Like, I don't know her. I'm just saying from her <laughs> no. point of view, like, if there was, you know, if you lived in, like, a small village in the middle, you know, like, in the Middle East during this time period and someone, like, there's no grocery stores like the fact that he destroyed their crops means a lot of her people are going to die. He killed some of them fast and some of them slow. So I think trying to stop him any way possible, because to me, she was always villainized because she was using sex. And I think it's one of those things that's used to like prop up purity culture and demonize sex in the Bible. So to me, that's why I actually got into a good 
talk about that yesterday with a young woman who I met on a uh, film set. Um, she responded to something I posted on Instagram, and we just kind of got into a, a really good discussion about purity culture. And she's actually um, the daughter of a deacon. And she just flat out told her dad she's no longer going to church. Um, she still kind of believes in God, but she just like, she says she couldn't get down with a lot of things that were going on. And I was like, Oh man, that is so interesting because, um, you know, I've dated people in the past whose parents were also part of the church and like, they could never fathom leaving church or let alone telling their parents, like, I'm not going to church. I don't believe in this anymore. And, um, she's all of that. So, um, shout out to her. That takes a lot of bravery. Yeah, really good conversation on that um but yeah it just streamlined more into like purity culture and she talked about her experiences dating and um she definitely has not received the brunt of um it like i have i mean she's a woman so you know people are just trying to you know it's it's easier for her to probably get takers for sex um let's just put it that way but yeah, it was a good conversation. I mean, and that made me, you know, what what we were talking about made me think of that. Yeah, I think um, well said. Well, um, I'm I'm anxious to hear this next story because I don't remember it. Okay, well, Judges seventeen, Micah and Levite. And the there was a man in the in the Levite. We're also reading the New Revised Standard Version. Um, not sure if we, we said did. that in the beginning. But I like um, your thoroughness. Yeah. Also, yeah, you're welcome. Also, not don't um, not fuck Delilah. Like I just uh, that was an offhanded remark. I don't again. I don't know her, but also I don't have anything against Delilah, and she also might not be real. So there's that. <laughs> she did get named, but for those That's who like her, she did. Women don't get named in this thing that no. often. Um. Micah and the Levite. There was a man in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you about which you uttered a curse and even spoke it in my hearing that silver is in my possession. I took it, but now I will return it to you. And his mother said, may my son be blessed by the Lord. Then he returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. uh, And his mother said, I consecrate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son to make an idol of cast metal. So when he returned the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith who made it into an idol of cast metal. And it was in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and he had an ephod and teraphim and instilled one of his sons and installed one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. Oh, that's very fascinating. Um, now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the clan of Judah. He was a Levite residing there. This man left the town of Bethlehem in Judah to live wherever he could find a place. He came to the house of Micah in the hill country of Ephraim to carry on his paperwork. Micah said to him, from where do you come? He replied, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to live where I can find a place. Then Micah said to him, stay with me and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you 10 pieces of silver a year and a set of clothes and you 
in your living. The Levite agreed to stay with the man and the young man became to him like one of his sons. So Micah installed the Levite and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will prosper me because the Levite has become my priest. That was weird. Do you need the translation? Um, well, I'm going to give my interpretation and then I'll see what chat GPT has to say. So what I took from this was this dude Micah stole some silver from his mom, but then returned it to her and she took 200 pieces of it and made an idol. And then he's like, I'm going to set up basically my own altar. But like he found one of the Levites who are kind of like the priest class. And so he was like, now that I got a Levite on board, I know my shit will be more legit. Also, it it was a little gay to me. And I don't mean that as a pejorative Um, to me. It was just like if someone's like, hey, you come with me, I'm gonna give you some clothes. I'm gonna give you some money. And you just, you know, I'll be like, daddy. How was that? Okay. I mean, if it was usually men, I don't know. To me, it was it, it just the vibes were a little gay to me. Um, although I have no investment in this, I will rebuttal that in saying that I think we should stop trying to say things are gay when men submit to other men. Okay. I don't think that's gay. Okay. And I just think it's, I mean, I think it's. What do you, let's define submit, because even that is a sexual term. Well, there's an argument. I I mean, your argument right now was just like, hey, come with me and I'll give you all the stuff. And, you know, I mean, you jokingly said, you know, call me daddy. But like, that's, I mean, that's kind of the vibe. But I don't, like, it. it's, it's fine. Like, if another man does uh, stuff like that for you i don't know like the thing i sent or posted the other day was like this girl jokingly and also funny and also accurately talking about how you know men talk shit about women liking rappers baby mamas and shit but like they will fucking wear another man's jersey with his name on the back and watch shows where other men talk about other men and you know she's jokingly talking about sports i do think there's some definitely hypocrisy and truth in that and it definitely is funny for content's sake um i certainly wasn't offended by it but i think the underlying thing of that is like there's been comments made before where people feel like it's unmanly of you to somehow submit to another man i just think i don't like, think it's unmanly it's, it's just some stuff is gay though i don't think gay is an insult like i'm not saying it to be insulting i just to me it comes off as gay it might not be it was just my initial reaction but I mean, I think another perspective, and I don't think, you know, gay is bad, but I think another perspective of that is people can interpret it as like in a negative way or like you somehow are less than a man or punk or a punk because you, again, submit or allow another man to lead you. Like, coincidentally, I saw something else the other day where um, I wasn't saying that I wasn't calling him weaker, less than a man. I just said it felt gay. 
I get it. But I mean, I'm clarifying for the audience and for because there seems to be a narrative out there. Like, again, I saw a video, another video from Dame Dash talking about how a man has to basically be a boss. And I agree with a lot of the sentiment he says, but it's also like everybody ain't built like that. And he said for one man to call another man boss is basically like, you know, how could you how could you essentially feel that you are a, a, a real man and i just think like we got to stop that bullshit man that's just where i'm at with it i mean i could you know i could be wrong but i just and i wasn't like saying the word boss i said set. the word daddy okay well i mean my point like i'm standing on what i said so i just feel like it wrongfully portrays um men certain men so this is where i'm at with it Okay. I was uh did Chat GPT have an interpretation? So according to Chat GPT, Micah, a man from the hill of country of Ephraim, confesses his to his mother. I mean, it really doesn't say much else. I mean, I think he pretty much nailed it, but um there's nothing in here that that yeah, there's nothing in here that is more different than what you said. I mean, he basically stole that money. He gave, he gave it back to his mother, who I guess had cursed it. He decides to return the silver um, to his mother. She consecrates it to the Lord and makes an idol of cast metal. Micah sets up a shrine and appoints one of his sons as a priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel and people did as they saw fit. Uh, a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah arrives at Micah's house seeking a place to live. Micah offers him a position as a father and a priest, providing him with a salary, clothes, and his sustenance. Uh, the Levite agrees, and Micah installs him as his priest, believing that God will bless him for having uh, Levi as his priest. So that's basically what you said. Nothing too much different. It didn't really explain um, why he stole that yeah. money, though. That was really messed up. From their moms? That's some crackhead behavior. I know. I'm related to one. I'm related to to what? A nigga who steals from his mom, his family. That's really messed up. I don't think people like that should be starting religions. Uh, Well, yeah, he hasn't, as far as I know, started a religion, but he has other troubles. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of how, like, a lot of people who start religions are a lot of times, uh, have criminal backgrounds. It's fun to think about. All right, you ready to move to Judges 18? Uh, yeah, you have a mouthful on your hands, so I'll let you get to that. The migration of Dan. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking for itself a territory to live in. For until then, no terry among the tribes of Israel had been allotted to them. So the Danites sent five vigilant men from the whole number of their clan, from Zorah and from Eshtol, to spy out the land and explore it. And they said to them, go and explore the land. When they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they stayed there. While they were at Micah's house, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. So they went over and asked him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What's your business here? And he said to them, Micah did such and such for me, and he hired me, and I have become his priest. And they said to him, inquire of God that we may know whether the mission we are undertaking will succeed. And the priest replied, go in peace. The mission you're on is 
under the eye of the Lord. The five men went on, and when they came to Laish, they observed the people who were there living securely after the matter of the Sidonians, quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing on the earth and possessing wealth. Furthermore, they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with the Aram. When they came to their kinsfolk at Zorah and Eshtol, they said to them, What do you report? They said, Come, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and it is very good. Will you do nothing? Do not be slow to go, but enter in and possess the land when you go you will come to an unsuspecting people the land is broad god has indeed given it into your hands a place where there is no lack of anything on earth 600 men of the danite climb clan armed with weapons of war set out to zora and eshtol and went up and encamped in kiriath jiriam in judah on this account that place is called mahan ethan to this day it is west of kiriath jerem from there they passed on to the hill country of ephraim and came to the house of micah then five the five men who got out to spy the land that is latish said to their comrades do you know that in these buildings there are an ephod teraphim and an idol of cast metal and therefore consider what you will do so they turned in that direction and came to the house of the young levite in the home at the home of Micah and greeted him while 600 men of the Danites armed with their weapons of war stood by the entrance of the gate the five men who had gone out to spy on the land proceeded to enter and take the idol of cast metal the ephod and the teraphim the priest was standing by the entrance of the gate with the 600 men armed with the weapons of war when the men went into Micah's house and took the idol of cast metal and the ephod and the teraphim the prince the priest said to them what are you doing they said to him keep quiet put your hand over your mouth and come with us and be to us a father and a priest is it better for you to be a priest in the house of one person or be the priest of a tribe in the clan of israel then the priest accepted the offer he took the ephod and the teraphim and the idol and went with the people so they resumed their journey putting the little ones the livestock and the goods in front of them when they were some distance from the home of Micah, the men who were in the house near Micah's house were called out, and they overtook the Danites. They shouted to the Danites, who turned around and said to Michael, What is the matter with what is the matter that you come with such company? He replied, You take my gods that I may that I made, and the priest, and go away with what I have left? How then can you ask me what is the matter? And the Danite said to him, You had better not let your voice be heard among us, or else hot tempered fellows will attack you and you will lose your life and the lives of your household then the danites went their way when micah saw that they were too strong for him he turned and went back to his home danites settled in lash the danites having taken what micah had made and the priest who belonged to him came to lash to a people quiet and unsuspecting put them to the sword and burned down the city there was no deliverer because it was far from sidon and they had no dealings with the arm it was a it was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. They built the city and lived in it. They named the city Dan after their ancestor Dan, who was born in Israel. But the name of the city was formerly Laish. Then the Danites set up the idol for themselves. Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were the priests to the tribe of the Danites until the time the land went into captivity. So they maintained as their own Micah's idol that he had made as long as the house of God was at Shalom. So I guess this was like an idol that was okay with the Lord, or was it an idol of the Lord? I thought that was one of the rules they couldn't make idols. Yeah. 
Um, that was a rule, but apparently rules are made to be broken. All right. And they're just doing that thing where they just, you know, take over cities that were already conquered. That's not something the Lord came up with. That's a pretty uncreative solution that human beings have been doing for quite some time. Well, he came up with it because he gave you the ability to do it. So sure. Um, all I got from that is, I mean, basically what you just said, and essentially like, um, Micah started this, this, this community, if if you will, and then other people just were like, "Hey, fuck your thing over there. We're actually just gonna, you know." take over this or <laughs> destroy it i mean that's basically what i got yeah it was um to me not a ton of morality this do they explain like why they wanted or was it just purely a resource war? why the danites took over layish mm-hmm. uh, or laish i don't know if i'm saying this stuff right um, it's because they weren't allowed it yeah. allotted any land. You remember when they were giving out allotments and stuff oh. like that? I think, okay. yeah. So this is a old. This is a old. Beat I then. guess like they were just like, hey, we need some <laughs> land. So they were like, hey, go explore. Like there's some unsuspecting, like basically like they've built this really peaceful, thriving society. You guys should go over there and fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's. Pretty on brand. They were with probably uncircumcised, so they had it coming. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, yeah, I gotta say the Bible. Um, especially having been in the Bible Belt last weekend, it's super obvious. Like no one reads this, <laughs> or has any idea what's really going on. Like everybody's just, just kind of high on their own like self righteousness. It's very very irritating. Yeah, the more I read this, the more I'll just become disgusted with um, humanity, I guess. Especially um, prosperity just, gospel. Is... Prosperity gospel is, to me, sickening. Like this idea that, you know, God wants you to be rich, and that's how he lets you know he likes you. So that's why the pastors are doing so well, because God likes them so much, and that's why they have so much money. And if you would just give God your money, he will like you too, and then you'll have all the money. Yeah, this seems like a waste of time. I'm just going oh. record that this is, seems like what a waste does? of time to um, just just following this Bible, this and and placing your entire belief system upon this. Like, I, I think your time could be better utilized to do a lot of the things that we've talked about before. I mean, if you want to make change, if you want to feel purpose in life if you want to feel like there's love then you have the power to go out and create that within your immediate community and you know it's often blasphemous to be to think of yourself like oh I'm a god but I mean in some a lot of aspects you are like you can you can you can you can manifest a lot of your own um destiny if you will so I don't, I just, I just, the more, I guess the last few episodes that we've read 
or gone over this stuff, I've just become more and more disinterested with this project that we've undergone because it's nothing compelling to me. Um, I mean, there are things that stand out. Like I think last chapter, you know, I mean, this, I mean, this is not even a new concept, but the passage that I had just read, which had said, you know, um, there was no king in Israel and people did as they saw fit. I mean, that just is interesting to me because you, I mean, it's, it reminds me of like a time where so people just kind of do what they want. Um, but in a lot of aspects, I think that was the that insult though. Really I thought changed. that was like them being like, man, they were just doing whatever they wanted to. I mean, it could be, but I mean, a lot of it that has not changed too. Like people still do whatever they want. Um, now the la- the levels of that may vary depending on which part of the world you live in, but here in the United States, like, I mean, you do have a lot of, you can do a lot of shit. And if you have more money, you can do a lot more shit. So, uh, I don't think that's, that's changed. Um, so you're saying like, you don't find this. Com- so are you just kind of off the, um, cause to me it's interesting. Like you don't find this compelling. I find this extremely compelling. Like this is really interesting to me only because it's, to me so clearly laying out how bad it is but no one's bothering to pay attention to it i mean from that aspect yeah but i think when i'm talking about this every single week i just feel like i'm beating a dead horse like i'm saying the same things i feel like and i and i want to be compelling as a host for people and i mean sometimes we come in here and we have we definitely get in bags and we talk about things that we relate to this and it's good conversation. And not to, not that today is not necessarily a good conversation. It's always a joy to talk to you. It's just like, I don't have anything new to add to these stories really. Like I feel like kind of, I'm just improving it a lot of the times, which is not necessarily bad, but it's just like, you know, for the listeners out there, like if I sound like I'm repeating myself or I'm not, giving any new dynamic to this then this is why because i don't find any of this particularly at least for this portion that we've been reading in the last few chapters i don't find this particularly interesting like it's the same stuff it's and it's being regurgitated and yeah like you just said it's clear that people have not done their due diligence to actually sit down but the the scarier thing to me is i feel like people have like i feel like i've talked to people who, sit, who have it's just that they have choose chosen to pick and choose which parts that they want to follow and disregard the others and that's kind of just what it is because they're i mean this is a so safety were you going into this thinking it was going to be interesting like the bible yes oh. I guess that was like, I guess like we just had different expectations. I remember the Bible being like boring and repetitive from reading it before. But I didn't, that's not, I mean, we discussed, um, you know, like I remember vividly thinking like, oh, we're always talking about these same stories. Um, but I never really thought much of it. You know, like, until now, where I, it's like I like going oh. into source material too, because there's the way the Bible's been perceived and how it's taught in church, and then like reading what it actually says. I mean, so I guess I just feel bad. Like I didn't know this was like so, um, like um, unpleasant. 
I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it unpleasant. It's just, you know, we're three years in now. And so that's just kind of what I feel. Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm certainly going to continue to do this. I just, it's, it's just, I don't feel like this is making my life better. Yeah, like that's the point. I I certainly like to discuss it and dissect it. When I made the podcast, like this doesn't improve your life. It actually is a a manual for abuse. That's I mean to me that's what I like. Every time I open it up, I'm like, wow, that's a new uh, angle of abuse that I didn't even see before. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I'm just at the point where if people don't see this as that, then who am I to, I don't have the energy to try to argue with you. I mean, to me, that's not, because I haven't even been arguing with people. To me, it's mostly about, I. this is something I wish had existed that I could have found when I was still in school. Because there's no real communities for people, especially black people where we live, where you can be open about how you feel about how most of the culture is like, oh, my God, the Bible. Oh, my God, it's so great. It's so great. And it's like, is it like because I've read it and it's not that great. And if you say that to people, they're just already like, God, the devil's got a hold of you. So to me, it's more about for me, it, it helps to talk about this because it's it's comforting because for so long I've had to keep it inside. And it is still, to me, sort of taboo. Just, I mean, I was with my family and like, I can't, I know, like, I'm not going to, I risk being cut off from my family if I'm honest about how I feel about this book. And it's, it it, it impacts the world. It's not just like in our personal lives, like the fact that they're passing anti-trans legislation, they're rolling back birth control and abortion, like, care for women because of this book like to me it's really really important to get the facts out there like what's really in here yeah I mean I'm certainly with all of that I just I think for me I'm more so just burnt out of which I don't even partake in any of like as far as the family aspect yeah I grew up in a Christian household I guess but like I don't discuss that or like if if it's brought up like it, it I guess to me this is not as traumatizing and part of that probably could be that I just have male privilege I'm aware of that but part of it is just like I am focused on affecting my immediate community in the ways that I feel like I can do that that's all like I, I can't make everybody uh, be like oh yeah this is bullshit like it's just, just to me, that's not realistic. But that doesn't mean give up the fight either. So it's not what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, since you're, um, do you want to let them know what's happening next time? So next time on Bible Breakdown Podcast, we will be talking about Judges 19 through 21. Uh, that'd be the Le- the Levite's concubine. Sounds pretty interesting, I guess. Uh, anything with a good. I bet he ends up uh, killing her. Perks my ears up. Well, thank you for spoiling it for those it who didn't know, like myself. Like it's a, she's. Oh, you said bet. Okay, I thought you said. I said he does. I bet okay. he does. 
got you, got you. Um, the other tribes attack Benjamin, so some more beef. Um, and the Benjaminites are saved from extinction just in the nick of time. Woohoo! So that's coming up. And then those will actually be our last three chapters for Judges. Then we're on the roof. Ooh. The only woman who gets a name in the Bible. Yeah. Book. No, Esther. Is Ezra? Oh, is Esther a woman? I mean, I yeah, guess. the book of Esther. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, and actually, there were yeah. some other ones that didn't make it into the official canon. But yeah, um, definitely join us. Come back. Um, write us a letter so, like, um, T can get some um, new inspiration. <laughs> when does the um? New Testament. We're so far from the New Testament, it's not even funny. Like we probably have like twenty or thirty more books to go in the New Testament. Well, do you know? I mean, do you know who it starts with though? Because I'm looking at the wait. What 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 starts with? It starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Like the Bible. Like Matthew is way. That's the first book of the New Testament in most of the versions. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Think Acts, Romans, something like that. Yeah, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, so yeah. I'm just trying to do a comparison of. So it's a significant portion of Old Testament. Yeah, we got 34 more books before we get to the New Testament. So it's a significant amount of Old Testament that we supposedly are supposed to disregard, and then there's a significantly less that doesn't agree with itself either. Is what we're supposed to write. So yeah, that's because the Old Testament is is the Jewy parts, so you don't want to give them too much. You mean you want to give them too much? You gave them like two thirds of a book. That's why it's just such a. This is the other reason too why I don't like aligning myself with Christianity because it's really just helping like what we consider white culture culturally appropriate Jewish culture. Like they totally just ripped Um, off their religion, stuck Jesus at the end of it, and we're like, we have a totally new thing now. It's so new. All right. Well, Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, continue to get therapy. <laughs> <laughs>